What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly. Now, the regular show that was due to be aired this evening has been put back. This is due to technical reasons and a number of things, but it also has given me an opportunity. 20th Century Geek is back on Patreon. We do have a Patreon page and we have supporter tiers if you want to go on there. So please do. We are on Patreon. Just go into Patreon, search for 20th Century Geek. And what we're producing on there, or what I should say I am producing on there, is going to be a monthly podcast. A new monthly podcast just called 20th Century Geek 30 Minute Thoughts. This is quite literally going to be my thoughts for 30 minutes on a chosen geeky subject. Now this could be anything from a comic to a movie, a short story, uh, an entire author's work, a number of things. How will that be chosen? Well every month there is going to be a poll and if you are in the certain tiers you will be able to vote in that poll to help choose what I talk about each month. In addition to that in the top tier there is going to be a further poll. Every quarter, that's four times a year, there will be a poll that will decide what show I do on the main feed. So one of the shows that you hear, or should I say four shows a year that you hear on this feed will be chosen by my Patreons. And I really appreciate everyone's support. So whether you are just retweeting my show, whether you are going to go on to a podcast provider and leave a review, which also I really, really appreciate, so if you could do that. Um, or if you do come over to the Patreon page and if you do join one of the tiers, everyone gets to hear the podcast and the further up you go, the more engagement and the more involvement you can have in how that develops. So why is this special today? Well, I thought I would take the opportunity to do a main feed 30-minute thoughts. Now, this isn't going to be a repeat. This isn't me giving um, something away from the from the Patreon. Uh, this is literally going to be a specific show for the main feed, an example of what it's going to be like. Now, that could entice you and make you want to do some more, make you want to come onto the Patreon and hear me talk for 30 minutes. Or it may mean that you actually just leave this podcast for dust entirely. I don't know. But that is what I'm going to do. Now what I should say is today we are going to be talking about uh, Green Lantern issue 76 from April 1970. Now I've chosen this for two reasons. Um, to really to honour Denny O'Neill who passed away recently. Um, but more so just to acknowledge that his politics... Uh, and how progressive and uh, aggressively progressive he was uh, in helping support causes, um, you know, in, in many, many ways, it, within the comic book industry and within society in general. Um, and this is the first issue of what has become known as uh, the story arc uh, Hard Travelling Heroes. Uh, it's the first issue that uh, where the magazine, the Green Lantern magazine, became Green Lantern, Green Arrow. Um, and... 
the start of some of this politics coming out. Now, this issue in particular, which we'll get onto in a sec, is very prescient for what is going on in the world at the moment. Um, and I just thought it was worth talking about. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. I will tell you more about the Patreon 30 second, uh, thirty minute thoughts at the end. So I have with me the issue. I have with me my notes. And I have with me a stopwatch. So let's make sure that it's 30 minutes. Because, you know, I'm nothing if not accurate. Depends who you ask. Uh, I did have a stopwatch. Can't point on my phone now. There we go. And clock. Bloody hell. Stopwatch. Right. That was just me meandering there for a couple of minutes. Okay, so this is going to be 30 minutes, 30 minute thoughts on Green Lantern 76. So please, let's see how this goes. Green Lantern 76 released in April 1970, is called No Evil Shall Escape My Sight, written by Denny O'Neill and art by Neil Adams. A quick overview of the plot. Green Lantern witnesses a gentleman being harassed by some guys outside a tenement building. GL swoops in to make the rescue successfully, only to be confronted by Green Arrow, and the truth of how the gentleman is a landlord and treats his tenements badly, aiming to evict them all. On the building roof, GL is asked by an elderly black man, why has he spent so much time saving others, so much so that he hasn't given them any help at all? Later, Green Lantern is reprimanded by the Guardians when he confronts the landlord. While GL is given space-based busy work, Green Arrow confronts the landlord, arranging a late-night meeting for money. At the night meeting, two gunmen try to kill Green Arrow. Unsuccessfully, accompanied by the returned GL, the two green heroes form a plan to bring down the fat cat landlord using the law. In the epilogue, Green Arrow espouses about how there is something rotten with America, but it is worth saving. He accuses the Guardians of sitting in an ivory tower while meddling in humanity. The issue ends with a Guardian joining GL and GA on a road trip to find the real America, thus starting the arc Hard Travelling Heroes. So, what are my thoughts on this? Well, first off, let's acknowledge this is really more about Denny and Neil, but you can't talk about these issues without acknowledging um, the art uh, by Neil Adams in these issues. Um, it's wonderful. I mean, this is 1970. We've just coming out of sort of an era of art that is, you know... Um, Good for its time, you know, you get some good artists in this one, but it's always very blocky, it's very sort of stilted. And to me, I always think that Neil Adams' art is a revelation. I mean, you know, he comes from um, uh, advertising initially and doing that kind of right drawing and, and that sort of thing. And it gives his art a realism uh, and, and fluidity that I just think is astounding. Um, his characters uh, emote. You know, they are, I mean, he uses them as actors. I, I find that, for me, Neil Adams' most um, modern equivalent would be someone like um, Greg Capullo, uh, in that he can 
create characters and situations, uh, you know, and, and sort of scenarios and scenes that contain incredibly realistic elements, you know, like faces, expressions, um, you know, the way clothing hangs or just the way people are stood. Um, looks incredibly natural and looks good, yet it never looks overly... What's the word I'm looking for? Too, you know, it looks real, but not too real. You know, it's, it's, it's holding that fine line of being comic book, but having incredible detail and incredible fluidity. Just the movement of the bodies. I mean, to, I'm looking through the book now, and there are several pages. The close-ups of the faces, especially, um, are fantastic. And the things I always find incredible is, you know, maintaining those visuals um, and the, the features of a face, you know, in different angles and stuff. He's, he's superb at it. But also in close-up, things like hands um, and, and small details, like, you know, in rooms and things. Neil Adams art is fantastic. I cannot ever... I can look through these books endlessly. I mean, he, his work in uh, Green Lantern is great, but you can also think of his work in, like, Batman. I think that's one of the ones people think about the most. He reinvented Batman to be that sort of more slender gymnastic kind of um character and and it shows in this just fantastic anyway so that's the art so i just want to say neil adams art is wonderful um and it you know it should should never ever be undersold so let's get onto the story though let's get onto this idea of what is this about so the big key factor in this is um this is clearly a statement it's been used as an analog for a commentary on um, the poor and minorities uh, in, in in America in 1970s. And some of this is going to ring incredibly true and close to home uh, for 2020s. This is 50 years ago. That's something to point out. This issue came out 50 years ago. and no, So not only am I talking about art that's 50 years old, which is incredible. Um, I'm actually talking about so yeah, 70s, so 1890. 2010, yeah, 2020, 50 years ago. <laughs> just to check. Um, and this story just rings so true. It just goes to show how little has changed. Um, the, the whole point of the issue is this notion of um, you know, the rich. The, you know, in, the, in the book, uh, the landlord is incredibly rotund. He's a fat guy. And that's obviously for a purpose. That's a reason for that. And this again comes to the art stylings of Neil Adams, which has clearly been a discussion between Neil Adams and... Um, uh, uh, Denny O'Neill, this idea of him being the fat cat landlord, like he is supposed to be that archetypal, wealthy, never done a hard day's work kind of person. That's the point. Fine, again, it looks it looks the part. This is and he's supposed to represent the rich. I mean, I don't think that I don't know if there was the one percent um, back in the in the in the seventies. Don't know if that existed then. But that, that element, the, the 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 wealthy, and it's the fact that the wealthy then use and abuse. Um, the poor to make themselves wealthier. So in this book, the fat cat landlord is looking to uh, sell the tenement building to make it into a car park because for him that can make more money than these people that usually you know either can't pay their rent or the rent is so low that it's you know not really worth doing anything with the building. Um, you then get this notion added on to that of GL being uh, you know. A, a tool of an elite detached from reality of what's going on in life on the streets. Um, uh, you know, it's right from the beginning. I mean, it shows this notion and it's, it's atypical of what is going on today. This scuffle that is going on outside the tenement building 
um, you know, the fat cat uh, landlord, I'm going to keep calling him that, um, is being shoved to the ground uh, by, by one of the scruffy looking tenants of the building. Um, and so he uh, assumes that it's the, uh, the guy in the suit, um, you know, the portly gentleman, that is the victim. He instinctively and straight away goes to his defence. Like he jumps, he literally jumps in to defend him. That's what he's doing. He he comes in, jumps in, and um, it, the irony is he sort of helps him. He's like, you know, are you all right, sir? The square-jawed hero, shoving the poor aside and literally, literally trying to put them in their place. And when they rebel, um, you know, he doesn't want to take it. I mean, there's a great sort of uh, couple of panels that really sort of like um, are done for almost comedic value, but speak volumes. You know, sort of. Green Lantern, I've got it here in front of me, Green Lantern saves the guy um, and sort of says, you know, you all right, fella? Sort of, this is the that post sort of 60s, you know, um, era. So it's just like, you know, just fine, Lantern, thanks to you. But another second and that kid could have hurt me. You're my kind of Lantern. More guys like you. This world would be a better place. Um, and again, it's that thing of like, Lantern, the GL, thinks he's doing the right thing. He is instinctively gone, you're the person being shoved to the ground, so therefore you are the victim, which is fine. His response, though, to this is great. That um, When called out, Green Lantern turns and sort of says, <laughs> this is over, there's no need to thank me, people. I was just doing my duty. And that's it. He is doing his duty. Um, and, you know, when he is confronted by that, it almost confuses him. He's almost sort of taken aback. It's like, well, I was just doing what I thought was right, you know. But what he's right is based on his prejudices. His prejudices state that this is the, the person the right is the wealthy person that looks like they know what they're talking about. And the person in the wrong is um, the scruffy uh, younger person. So this is very much now getting to this thing about police <laughs> prejudices. And police brutality. And I'll say police brutality because, yes, this is a comic book. It knows that it's a superhero comic book, so there's going to be punching and fighting because, you know, that's always what happens. However, the thing that's more interesting to this is Green Lantern is one of the most powerful um, characters and superheroes in the DC universe. Like, you know, with that power ring, you can do anything, really. He's got, you know, it's just whatever he wills, the ring will create. Um, and whilst these sort of tenants are throwing things at him, um, and he's sort of, you know, it's the joke where he protects them with a sort of a green umbrella. But when he gets one of these guys within reach, like Green Lantern grabs him and is threatening to pummel the guy. Like that's his his go-to. And I know this is a superhero thing, but this is his go-to. Green Lantern's go-to is he's going to give this guy an ass kicking. And I, I think again, it speaks volumes that this established hero, intergalactic, don't mind. So this is a guy who takes on big baddies is willing to kick some guy's ass just for sort of throwing junk at him. So I can see what Denny's saying here, and it sort of shows that I think this systemic prejudice that exists with the police isn't new. It's been there for a while. Um, and it's sort of that thing, you know, um, he is, to him, at least as, 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 a, as a law enforcement official, whether it be, you know, district or intergalactic, um, he is working to the letter of the law. Yeah, so the scruffy guy, the tenant, shoving this guy to the ground, that's assault. You know, as far as he's seen, he has witnessed an assault and he has intervened. Now, he is working to the letter of the law. 
And this is where Green Arrow confronts him for this because he's about to pummel this poor lad. And G- uh, Green Arrow sort of says to him, "If you're going to touch him, you're going to have to touch me next." Basically, which um, that sounds dirtier than I mean it, but it's, I think it's literally the wording that they use. Um, it is touch him first, Green Lantern, and you'll have to touch me second. So you know, all all in the line to be touched by uh, um, Green uh, Green Arrow. Um, or, or more, in fact, they all want to touch Green Lantern's ring. Um, to make of that what you will. Um, and, and I'll touch back. It's all very uh, homoerotic at this point. But um, it's this point of just being confrontational. But it's true. You know, Green Arrow is obviously transitioned to now become a uh, protector of uh, the poor. More like his, his sort of Robin Hood um, forebear that he's supposed to represent. And this becomes interesting because it's this sort of statement there. Well, the lad that you were going to beat up, he's just frustrated. He's pissed off because he's having to pay um, rent that he can't afford. He's having to do all these things. But he's doing it to look after his grandma. He, you know, he's got to get a scruffy job. He's had to drop out of school. It's this sort of cycle of poverty, this, you know, this cycle that they can't get out of. Um, and so seeing this is where sort of Green Lantern's like, all oh, right, yeah. I can sort of see where you're coming from. Uh, I may have been a bit sort of um, overzealous. However, it sort of gets a little bit funny. And this is again where sort of like, I get where Denny O'Neill's coming from for all this. However, it sort of, he struggles um, with where to restrain himself. Because Green Arrow comes across like a bit of a lunatic. I mean, Green Lantern literally defends himself saying, look, I was just, I'm just, I've got a job. I was just doing it. Like, I made a decision. I'm doing my job. Uh, and for a cop, like, okay, I understand that. Like, he was about to punch the guy. Seems over excessive. But Green Arrow's response is, I heard that line before at the Nazi war trials. I think making a mistake and defending possibly the wrong person or instigating Auschwitz or even being a guard at Auschwitz is a little different. I mean, I don't know... Others may disagree with me, like you know, it's a sli- it's a slippery slope, you know. It, but it just feels a bit overzealous. I mean, you know, that's it's a bit much, is what it is. I get the point that they're trying to hammer home a point here. This is the point, you know, they're trying to hammer something home, but it sort of stops landing if you if you overstep the mark. Okay. More than that, they then have this elderly black guy. I mean, beautifully drawn. Again, I'll say that wonderfully drawn, but. It says, um, I've been reading about you, how you work for the blue skins, and how on a planet someplace uh, you helped out the orange skins, but you don't consider, um, and you've done considerable for the purple skins, only there's uh, skins that you never bother with, the black skins. I want to know how come. Now, this is a good point in, you know, in, in this game. You're sort of looking at um, this guy. He instantly jumped in because the white... Uh, wealthy looking person was being attacked so again that prejudice is there um the gl hangs his head in shame and says i can't do that and again this is where i know you've got to take this as an allegory because greenland is supposed to be a law enforcement official and they are using him as a representative of uh, american law enforcement clearly at this point uh, not representing the minorities and the under um uh, Underrepresented, and that includes, you know, the the blacks, the Hispanics, um, and other minority communities within America, uh, and the different classes of the poor, etc. The problem I have with this is, is it the right hero? Now I know we have to take it for what it is, um, 
But I always had a bit of a problem with this in that Green Lantern is an intergalactic hero. So, yeah, he's helped the purple skins and the orange skins. He's also helped all the different coloured skins on the world because he saved the planet. And it's about scalability. Um, and so I struggle with this because he literally has an issues where he's flying through space fighting aliens. He has these issues where he's doing these things. And if he's doing those things, to have him consider the implications of uh, minorities and things on Earth, it, it it feels difficult. Like, yes, he probably should be more you know engaged with his Earth, but he's also meant to be looking after an entire sector of space, like, you know, millions of space, uh, light years of, of space. It feels a little bit... Um, I, don't, I don't know. It just, you know, it's it's like going to someone at the head of the UN and then saying, "Well, why haven't you done something for my tenement building? You know, or why haven't you you done something for my neighbourhood?" You're a bit like, "Well, I'm not because I work on a, on an international stage. It doesn't work like that." And that's where I think, you know, this issue is going to. We'll get into the analog, but this sort of this confrontation again, sort of like, and GL's response feels a bit uh, forced. I honestly think this would have worked better with Batman. Because this is where I think, you know, Batman could be, you know, he, at this point, again, he represents an element of law enforcement. Um, he has clear, he's, he's way more street level than, than Green Lantern. And for someone like this elderly black gentleman to, con- to confront him and say, like, what have you done for me? He'd be like, well, I've, I've tried to do this. And he's like, well, no, 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 no. You, you, you literally just kick the crap out of people to put fear in them. That's what you do. You've tried to sort of beat people into submission to to make them adhere to things. You haven't helped them. And it's only in recent years, I think, that they've really started to acknowledge that, yeah, Bruce Wayne has got these foundations and he gives all this money to the poor. Yeah, but he still puts on a back suit and goes out to beat up people that he determines are criminals. Okay, If he was to have intervened and done the same thing as what Green Lantern did, he wouldn't have just he wouldn't have just put you know put picked up the guy and threatened him like he would have decked all these poor lads outside the tenement building, and I think that would speak louder today that this sort of this prejudice you know this because he's literally a one of the one percent like you know he's an ultra ultra rich guy, rich nutter puts on suit and goes out and beats up poor people, right? Don't get me wrong, I love Batman, right? I'm a big Batman fan, but it's still true. Okay, that's what it comes down to, when it comes to, and they've tried to move away from that now that they provide these things where Batman fights um, bigger, you know, specific villains and take them away from that street level. Fine, I get it, but the same with GL. So it works as um, an analog for the police in law enforcement, but again, you know, when you're looking at scalability, then it starts to sort of fall on. The fact that Green Arrow is actually doing it and representing these people is great. And I love that because that is where he should be. Like he's given up his wealth, he's given up his position and his status in order to represent these people and these groups and these sort of like the down and outs and the underrepresented. That to me is wonderful because that's who should be doing this. That's how it should work. Um so yeah, so that that sort of just seems um like a good thing. So, you know, it works as an overall thing, but that confrontation feels a little bit forced to me. Um the second half of the story does start to fall, sort of fall together because it then becomes about this confrontation with the fat cat lawyer. Um, GL just sort of confronts him by saying, like, you know, just basically just be be better. Like, how can you do this to people? And it comes down to money. You know, well, I could do, I can make more money by doing this. And this is where we start to get this uh, analog of um, GL as a sort of a tool of an elitist organization. 
Um, so you've got the Guardians of the Galaxy. The Guardians of the Galaxy. The Guardians of the Universe um, are there. And they do sort of interfere. And they do inter- intercede. Um, and basically give Green Lantern direction. You know, how can you do this to your brother, your brother human? And he's like, well, he's not one of my, he's not my brother. He does not represent me. He's not one of me. Is what you know. Green Lantern comes back with, um, and so they give him busy work as a punishment. But it's true. This that they represent the government body. You know, the government organisations, whether it be at local um, council level or at you know national government level, basically saying, we will give you the direction. And this is what we are seeing now in. A lot of sort of these countries. I mean, you know, America obviously clearly the most, but even in Britain and France and these other countries, like we are in Germany, wherever there has been a, 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 a Black Lives Matter protest, there has clearly been police working under direction. Now, as can be shown with Green Lantern, when you confront these people uh, on an individual level, I, I can, I'm sure that you can have a a worthy uh, and solid discussion about the the pros and cons of the way of protesting versus you know aggression and all these other things and they will listen and they will sort of uh talk back however when they're being used as a tool because that's what happens with this sorry in the issue green lantern is given the opportunity to become an individual like he wants to see this as an individual but when they are as a force when they are there as an you know especially when you start to remove um in you know the ones that was in America there was the guys that were the jail um riot police were there all in their riot gear no insignias nothing to identify them that to me is terrifying because that's when people get lost in a crowd it's like that experiment which I can never remember the name of and there's probably people listening to this now that are screaming the name of this experiment house where there was the prisoners versus the guards in the university in the college in America and the guards because they had the mirrored sunglasses and the uniforms and they were there as a, as a group started to really abuse these poor people that they had as prisoners. Like, it was stopped because of it. And that's the sort of thing that, you know, you would actually see. Um, But also, when you detach a government body, you know, you distance it from reality, um, you know, even with the best of intent. And let's be perfectly honest, when you look at a government body, whether it be uh, Conservative or Labour or Republican or Democrat, whatever... There is always going to be a core element that is completely detached from the reality of the lowest level of society. Because they're just so far apart. It's just impossible. <clears throat> and so you will get it where they're going to have to have generalised directives. And that's what this is. It's the Guardian saying, look, here's the law. You enforce the law. It is not for you to interpret the law. It is for you to enforce the law. You know, so, And that I think that's where it sort of comes into. Um... I like the fact that in this book, after two confrontations, like you know, GL loses his temper with the guy and gets reprimanded for it by um, um, the Guardians. Again, the Guardians defending the wealthy white guy, which I think is quite interesting. Uh, also, I would say that um, when you represent, the, when they see the Guardians, um, yes, they're all blue, but let's not kid ourselves. They look like a bunch of old white guys. You know, this is this is a group of aging white guys sat around deciding the future and how the world should or the universe should actually be run so it's not too far from the, from reality um but what I like is then green arrow obviously confronts him as well 
And both of them try to resort to an element of violence, but when that doesn't succeed, they do turn to the law. Now, it's a bit of a sting operation, which, again, not sure how legal that is, but they turn to um, the law, and the law enforcement is what catches the fat cat in the end. So it shows that there is a right way of doing these things. So you do get the payoff. Actually, th there is justice. There can be justice. You just have to, you, as long as you are willing to do the right things, and engage with the right people, you can. There can be justice, um, which I think is great. Now, it, <coughs> it should go on from there to really sort of say about how they then deal with the tenement building. They don't, but you know, there's, there's, there are. It's a, it's a single issue comic. It's not an, a, a whole book. What's more interesting to me, though, is the end um, of the issue. There's an epilogue, <coughs> and again, after all of this. Uh, Lantern is confronted by the Guardians to be reprimanded finally for disobeying them. And Green Arrow confronts them and provides this sort of monologue about how um, the country has been corrupted. There's a moral cancer burning through the country. And it's really interesting that sort of like, you know, he obviously feels that he's given up his wealth to represent the country. So uh, he says, listen, forget about chasing around the galaxy and remember America. It's a good country, beautiful, perf uh, fertile, and terribly sick. Now, what I would say is, this could have been... This is very America-eccentric. It's an American comic for an American audience, and I appreciate that. Um, but again, like you know, great writing would have sort of said, right, forget running around. Remember Earth. It's a good planet. You know, you could have kept it at that level. Because it's not just America where these prejudices and everything existed. Like, it's all over the planet. Um, he then sort of cites um, the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., uh, and Robert Kennedy as two representations of how the liberal left were being under under attack. They were fighting, but they were literally being killed off. Um, and how sad it is that these two people sort of fell. Um, and he sort of said, that, you know, you sit up there on your on your ivory tower, and, and you should really come down and see how this works, how this actually works. And it's great that he incite, you know, he actually. Um, brings this to the forefront like yeah they're mentioning these sort of things I mean, this is 1970s released so uh, we should say that um i think martin luther king was killed in in uh, 1968 um so two years after the death of martin luther king jr um and also two years after the end of the civil rights movement which is more interesting to me so the civil rights movement sort of sort of came to an end in 1968 so the modern civil rights movement ran from like about 54 to 68. Um, and there were all the protests, the riots, marches, sit-ins, and all those kinds of things. And it ends with um, the signing of what they call, they now refer to as the Civil Rights Act. And this had a whole bunch of things. In fact, it was literally cited, this act was cited re recently um, to protect the employment rights of LGBTQ and trans uh, people in America. So this act is still incredibly relevant um, and incredibly important, signed in 1968. But the book came out two years later. So this tells you that like the the successful signing and, and uh, implementing of this act isn't the end. You know, this prejudice still lives. These people are still poor. These people are still living, you know, hand to mouth. Not much has changed or you know, yes, we are now recognised, but we're still not moving up. Um, and it's great that it brought this to the fore. And that's sort of what I wanted to sort of say, that, you know, how brave this book is. I'll round this out. I've got a few minutes left. But I'll round this out by saying, look, this is what should be taken into consideration. Everything I've just talked about today, 
this 1% fat cat lawyer. The uh, instance of the police coming in to protect the sort of wealthy looking white guy. Or um, the government body reprimanding the sort of an individual for sort of, you know, in, uh, um, in, <sighs> interpreting the law rather than enforcing the law. All of that, 50 years ago, Denny O'Neill wrote it into a Green Lantern, Green Arrow comic for kids. Okay? So when you hear people moaning about Sesame Street, I'm not making a good, but when you hear about people moaning about Sesame Street trying to encourage, trying to teach kids about racism, right, today, on, on you know, CNN or wherever, remember, in 1970, um, Denny O'Neill wrote a comic in which he tried to confront kids through superheroes, I mean, you know, I still think it was kids reading comics at that point, about the social ills of the world, you know, social class segregation, uh, racial prejudices, um, the fact that law enforcement can be good and you know, do, following the law can be good, but law, you know, it, um, police brutality, the instance of going straight to violence, all this stuff, it's in this comic, fifty years ago. And so Denny O'Neill, clearly ahead of the curve, clearly sort of trying to represent these things. And I just want to think that, you know, in him passing away now, uh, it should be remembered that he was there. He was trying to in, in, enforce this and encourage this and was a great um, leader in that way and should hopefully be remembered for that. But more importantly, this comic is really good. It's really important and really good. Um, some of the dialogue's a bit chunky, but it's 50 years old. You know, we can we can let that slide. Um I honestly think that you should go and seek this. If you if you want to understand what's going on today, or you want some of your kids to understand what's going on today, I honestly, honestly think that taking someone and going, look, here is Green Lantern issue uh, 76 from 1970. Give it a go. Have a read of this. This will give you a bit of an inkling into what is going on in the world and why people are frustrated and why they're still here. And then have that conversation and say, this is this half a century ago. Why is it still there? Why do we still have these prejudices? The world has changed. We've advanced. We've, we, you know, we are better. But why are we still having these conversations? Um, I just think that's worth worth having. And there we are. That's thirty minutes, ladies and gentlemen. That has been thirty minutes. My thoughts for thirty minutes. For whatever it's worth, um, I hope you enjoyed it. It was. I really enjoyed going back and having a think about this issue. Uh, and I do feel it's incredibly prescient. So I'm going, to shut, I'm going to shut up about it now. That was my 30-minute thoughts. But that's the kind of thing you're going to get on the Patreon. Um, every month, 30-minute thoughts on something. It's not always going to be as politically charged or as sort of socially relevant as that one. It just felt important to talk about that at the moment because of what's going on and also with the passing of Denny O'Neill. Um, however, I'm still going to be getting a bit deep in comics because the choice for the first... Uh, Patreon podcast, 30 Minute Thoughts, um, is Sandman, Neil Gaiman Sandman, issue one. Um, and there are some great, great stuff in there. So to all my Patreons, to all my patrons that are out there listening now, first off, really appreciate you all. Really, thank you so much for your support. Um, and, uh, you know, it's coming your way. Uh, this time next week, it will be there. And uh, <laughs> hope you enjoy it. For those that aren't interested, or if you enjoyed this podcast, well, firstly, if you enjoyed this podcast, keep listening. Do what you do. Listen to this podcast. If you've never listened before, go back and check the other podcasts. There are some amazing things in the back, back catalogue. Um, but more importantly, leave a review on the podcast catcher in which you listen to this to. It really helps the show get up the, the rankings, makes more people aware of us, 
blah de blah de blah. Um, all that good stuff. Find us on Twitter, you know, at 20th Century Geek. Come and say hello. Have an, engage with me. Come and talk to me. I love talking to the, anyone who's listening to the shows. And if anyone, you know, uh, has got any questions or you want to disagree with me on this issue, come and have a chat. That's what it's all about. Let's engage. Let's talk. Um, but of course, as I say, we have a Patreon. It goes up quite simply. It's all in pounds because uh, it makes it easier for me to understand. At five pounds every month, you will get a 30 minutes thoughts uh, as well as a chance to engage and talk with me. For seven pounds, you will get to not only get to the, po- uh, the podcast, 30 minute thoughts, you will also get to vote on the poll as to what I talk about for that month. And then for £10, you get the podcast anyway. You get to vote on uh, what the subject matter is for that monthly podcast. But also, once a quarter, you will get um, a chance to vote on a subject for this mainstream uh, podcast. So, go check it out. Have a look. Ask people what they think. Um, In the next episode, I'm going to give a shout-out to all the podcasts. Uh, sorry, the, all the Patreons as well. So, thank you very much. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this. It's been short and sweet. But that's been 30 Minute Thoughts. Um, and so next week, or next podcast, I should say, the next episode, we're back to the regular schedule. We're going to be jumping back in with the Pulp Hero Retrospective. In the first episode, it is uh, Dick Tracy uh, with Warren Beatty, uh, Sam Raimi's um, Darkman, and then the Disney's The Rocketeer. That's the first episode. So looking forward to that. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. I hope to talk to you on social media uh, or in any way. And also please, please leave a review and check out the Patreon. Thank you guys. And I'll speak to you again soon.